Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And it is Daytona week. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. I mentioned Daytona because we are headed back to the Daytona International Speedway for the final race before the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. We'll have all that and more ahead on the Drivers Meeting Podcast. But first, I'm going to thank our great sponsor, Bet Online. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports online betting needs. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. So make sure to visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to bet online and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts and also a great shout out to balance seven our new sponsor it's been awarded the past few weeks we got a promotion running with balance seven right now if you go to their website balance7.com use the code believe at code the checkout you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of my smooth skin with any purchase of balance seven products this product retails at 13.99 so i'd say it's worth it again head over to balance7.com and use code believe that is b-l-e-a-v at checkout and get in on the promotion I know it will work. It was a pretty eventful weekend at Michigan International Speedway. We had an ARCA race. We had a gateway race for the Truck Series Friday night, and then the Xfinity Series Saturday, Cup Series Sunday. So the big talk uh, that we'll kind of jump right into was the Cup race. Me personally, just before we kind of get into the Cup race, I loved the Xfinity race. I thought the Xfinity, I mean, the end was very chaotic. There was lots of things going on, lots of cautions, a heck of a lot of overtime restarts. I'm sure you could detail on what like what what was that for you but uh as for the you know we'll start with the xfinity race why not we we do that anyways so lots of overtime restarts at the end of the race aj Allmendinger ultimately getting the win but this race was altered a lot at the beginning when there was a big wreck uh one of the stage restarts which you got to see in your rearview mirror i don't know how much how much you got to see of it but you were up front uh i think that was the restart where you got a pretty good push from brandon brown i believe it was you were able to kind of stay up in the mix and then unfortunately brandon brown was involved in the incident back there it was just one of those things i I feel like we kind of see a lot just those restarts everyone especially with the strategy you know when you got cars with older tires up front austin Sindrick had dominated so far and he was trying to get up some make some ground up and it was just a bunch of cars uh got torn up in that one so i know you guys pulled some strategy there were able to restart on the front row what was that like for you uh, well, it's cool starting on the front row and, and actually having somebody push you. That was actually pretty nice. Um, instead of what, yeah, instead of not somebody just putting you three wide every time you're up there uh, because they don't think that you're fast enough to be up there, which is absolutely not true. We proved that we were pretty fast, um, but it takes a push. So if the car that was in second place every single time got put three wide, then of course it's going to stack up the bottom lane. It's going to stack them up worse. Uh, but that's what happens to cars like us every single time we get up there. So Brandon giving me a push, we came out of uh, turn two, still running third. That's really all it took. 
Um, yeah, we lost a spot, but we didn't get killed. And we were side by side with the leader going in turn one. So I, I think we kind of proved, you know, what it takes to stay up there. And obviously it was really disappointing to see Brandon and a lot of good cars get torn up. Yeah, that was unfortunate. And then you fast forward to a restart uh, later where I think you were, you were up there once again, and they were mentioning on the broadcast, I think it was, I think it was Dale Jr. was like, man, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't know if they're going to push this 44 car here again. You know, we'll have to see because then goes there's Ty Gibbs behind you or something like that. He was like, we'll see if that Ty Gibbs pushed him. I think he, he went and took you three wide on that one, but you did have the one where you were on the front row and obviously Brandon Brown. And that's something you talk about a lot. Everyone kind of has mutual respect for each other at that portion of the field. And I know you talk about Brandon a lot. You have a lot of respect for him. I'm sure he has a lot of respect for you. I mean, was that something that you had your spotters kind of talk to each other about, or was it a thing that was kind of in the hands of the driver? Like, all right, I'm going to push this guy. Yeah. So Brandon got on the radio before the restart and said that he was going to push me which is a good feeling to know, okay, well, at least I got somebody that's not immediately going to put me three wide sitting here behind me. And that's really all it took. The 10 car did not clear us going into turn one. We got a run back on him and came out of turn two, still sitting in third place. So I feel like, you know, that kind of proves a point that I've said all along, which is like, you know, we, you can have speed in your car and they talk about a respect thing. Yeah, I mean, you got to get these other guys to respect you. And it's hard to get them to respect you when you're not up there all the time. Um, but they just look at the 44 and go, eh, we, we need to get rid of this guy. He doesn't belong up here. And the thing is, we did. We had plenty of speed. It's just about getting other people to believe that. Exactly. And in that race, uh, there were a lot of good finishes uh, throughout the field. Obviously, we had a, some of the faster uh, car. You know, Austin Cindric was taken out at the beginning. But I know – going to Michigan a lot with this narrative, this recent narrative that it's not, you know, a great track. And, and over the years, obviously when they, when they resurfaced it and stuff like that, it became different, but that Xfinity race, I really enjoyed it for a series that didn't go there last year. We didn't get to see the Xfinity series there last year. We, it was only two years ago. We saw them at the racetrack. I really enjoyed it. I thought the resin also, you know, did its job that it was there for provided uh, a lane up there that a lot of people explored. And I felt the overall racing was good. Uh, you know, at the end, there were a ton of restarts and wrecks. I mean, it all ultimately just broke into chaos. But before that, you know, that that last run, I was really intrigued in Josh Berry. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen the, the replay of him going three wide on the outside, taking the lead. And he really ultimately had the race won, you know, if, if uh, they don't run the 10 car out of fuel, which was strange. I know a lot of people were confused about that because they didn't really have a, a chance at anything. And then they ran out of gas, really put themselves three laps down. Didn't really get that one. But what sucked is that that really, you know, took the, I mean, Josh Berry had had restarts to attempt to hold off guys like that. Uh, Almondinger got by him finally, I think on the second, one of the second restarts, but man, it, uh, ultimately I was gutted for Josh Berry because he drove a great race. Uh, Almondinger was up there as well, but that one car was flying. I mean, there was just like, man, is Josh Berry really going to do this first time ever at Michigan raced gateway uh, the night before, which went forever because the power went out there. So he was there late, had to get to Michigan, had a great race on Saturday. Um, and, and almost got the job done. I know we talk about Josh Berry before kind of a lot of people do about the story, you know, that, that NASCAR needs things like that. And earlier in the week, he got announced that he'll be full-time in 2022. So, uh, I know 
we've talked about a lot about the Xfinity competition. There's already announcements that uh, of you know full time. Josh Berry's going to the Xfinity series now. You don't know uh, what's going to happen with other teams like that. I mean, this is the same conversation we had a year ago, really, about the Xfinity series and and could it get deeper? And as a guy like Josh Berry, the performance where everyone labels him as like ah, as the short track guy goes out almost wins a race or almost should have won the race at Michigan. I mean, that's got to be impressive for, for his resume for sure. Yeah, definitely. And this is a guy now that's gotten the reps on a top level team and proved that he belongs on a top level team. So it was another great performance from Josh um, up there leading the race. And I talked to my crew after the race, they said basically it was between the, you know, it was between the one car and the 16. That was really who was going to win the race. And the one car kind of had it in the bag. Uh, it's unfortunate that we got a late caution there. I mean, how refreshing is it that an Xfinity race had some strategy and, and fuel strategy and pit stop strategy play into it? And then, uh, you know, we couldn't stand too much of a good thing in the Xfinity series and decided to have about five cautions in the last 15 laps. So uh, that obviously didn't play out very well for my team uh, with the way the pit stop cycle went. We wound up getting trapped. Uh, second in line for the lucky dog basically three times so that was really unfortunate and wound up probably costing us a top 12 finish that we had lined up Uh, but it obviously cost josh barry a win probably uh with how this thing played out so uh look the end of these it's not over till it's over in these races well we understand that there's gonna be a lot of stuff that gets thrown at you in the last 15 laps and when you're making that call on the pit box uh, like we were, whether it was going to be splash and go, four tires, two tires, all the crew chiefs there were going to be under the microscope, right? There was going to be a correct answer. You just hope that you had the right one. And really in the Xfinity series, that doesn't happen a whole lot. So I thought that was really interesting. And for us, uh, for the race that we had going on, running in 10th place on the racetrack, uh, it was a great opportunity for us to finish off a top 10 run um, that I felt like we really earned and we just weren't able to do that. You were there all day. I mean, there's there's races where you can run outside the top 15 and end up with an 11th place finish. But when, yeah, what I was really gutted about is you you ran right around 10th, 11th majority of the day, that middle part of the race where there were some green flag stretches. You were up there, you were passing cars. Uh, I think, did you get by, I think on a green flag run, you got by Tyler Reddick at one point. And then I think, I don't know if he got you back yeah. or something like that. You're swapping yeah. spots with him. I think Clemens was around that area. So that was fun. I mean, how for you, I mean, I was just noting on how I enjoyed watching the race from home on TV. I thought there was great racing. Obviously, the strategy at the end was fun to watch, keep track of as well. All guy are going out with just no tires, trying to beat Barry. Felt like that was the only way he could beat him. Josh Barry was flying. He was going to get around him with plenty of time to go. Ten car runs out of fuel. But for you as a driver, I mean, did, did you enjoy the race? Did you try the resin up top? Did you feel like it was different from maybe when you ran on it before? Yeah. And we moved around. It didn't work great for our car. Um, but at the same time, I didn't spend a lot of time up there playing with it. Um, when we were trying it, we were still racing for position. And we had built a little bit of a gap from the, the group behind us. And we really didn't want to lose that. So I went up there the first couple of times, tried it, lost a few tents. Felt pretty free. Um, our car was really neutral. I felt like our car was was really pretty good at that time in the run. So I just kind of went back to what we were doing, running a little bit lower on the racetrack. I think that as my car got tighter over the course of a run, that probably would have been something good to try is to move up a little higher and work that in. 
but it, we just never did it. And then we wound up coming in for our pit stop and it was still faster with all that grip. It was faster on the bottom um, than it for, you know, for our car. So I played around with it a little bit. Overall, I felt like it was a pretty, pretty good racetrack. Uh, when we first fired off, it was really dirty. Uh, which always to me is a little bit irritating as a driver uh, when you're when you're on the caution laps before a race and there's dust flying off all, all the cars it's like all right guys can we not blow the track off before we come out here like that would be nice um and so that led to a few hairy moments uh early on which i always play that probably a little more cautious than some other guys do um, obviously owning my own car um, but once the track got cleaned off, I felt like it was a really racy track and um, became a typical Michigan race. Hard to pass. You had to really earn it. Uh, staying in the draft of the car in front of you really does play a factor. It's kind of like an old style super speedway race is really what it is at Michigan. We go there um, and I really enjoy it. Obviously, it's a track that I feel like I'm pretty good at. And, and our performance showed that we were able to, to run uh, up in the top 15 and even though there was some attrition there with that big wreck that happened, uh, you saw probably about four to six cars get damaged from that. Um, with Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick, you know, being a couple of those, quite frankly, we, we passed them earlier in the race. So I don't feel like that was just a gimme that all those cars were going to beat me. Um, and then it turned around that Bubba wound up getting a top 10 anyway. So that was cool to see. It's cool to see Bubba down in the series. Um, it was cool for me as a driver when you just ask overall – uh, to be at a track like that, that yes, I have some, I have some input on the outcome there. I can move around. I can uh, change the handling of my car and make it drive better on different parts of the racetrack. Um, and it was really a, a, a track that I felt like showed off the performance of the car as well, which we've been doing a good job of. We put some good cars on a racetrack. So uh, the best teams found their way up there towards the front in this thing. And then you also had a few surprises. Uh, Matt Mills with a great run, uh, finishing uh, 14th run, there. Yeah. Um, so for for BJ McLeod, which I know they didn't even buy all the tires. So that was really a, a hell of a performance from from Matt. And, and when these restarts happen here at the end of the race and uh, a team like Matt's can, can pull some strategy, I think they went a little bit long on their pit stop or maybe took fuel only to try to get some track position, then caught a break with the caution, then caught a break with dumbasses like me lining up in the wrong lane and, and we're able to take advantage on a restart, got another quick caution, then boom, you're on the lead lap. So, uh, and then you kind of locking yourself into a good finish there, right? With, with uh, I think there was only 14 cars on the lead lap. So I'm not taking anything away from them. They executed, right? And teams like mine didn't. We we blew it there kind of at the end of the race. And that's uh, for several reasons. And I am definitely included in that. Uh, we didn't finish the job. So it is fun for fans at the end of these races for the chaos of this. Right. Obviously, it's frustrating for me behind the wheel when I feel like I got a fast car and um, we basically just start playing restart roulette there at the end of the race is what I've called it, because it's it's so finicky. I think there is so much to being good at restarts i'm not acting like that is not a skill it is and you need to be very aggressive at the same time when you're literally talking about two corners um there's a lot that is really not in your control there uh you're kind of no different than a plate track you're kind of a little bit at, at in the control of your surroundings like if a guy misses a shift if a guy 
gets a little too high in a corner, gets loose. Uh, if a guy gets on your door the wrong way and frees you up, if the two cars in front of you make contact and check each other up a little bit, um, all of these things affect your run through the first and second corner and, and down the backstretch. And I felt like, obviously, restart lane choice had a lot to do with this. And it just didn't play out for us. We, we kind of committed to the bottom, kind of hoping that somebody in the top lane might check it up a little bit get us some track position and just never really worked out great for us. The one time that it did, there wound up being a big wreck right in the back stretch. And I checked up and and we missed the lucky dog anyway. So it gets to the end of these races and you start picking this stuff apart. Uh, obviously you always look at what you can do better, but I find myself in a lot of these situations here, RJ, just going, you know, that probably had a lot to do with stuff going on around me. And there was only so much that I could have done in that situation. Like I think about um, there was the second restart and the 47 car lined up in front of me on the bottom and he was two laps down. Okay. I put him three wide and he comes down to block me. And now that leaves the middle open for the 23 and the 61. They pass both of us and you just go, all right, well, I executed pretty well. I mean, I, I got through the gears good. I, I passed the car in front of me. And then it still didn't work out. So you just go, all right, I don't know what more I could do in these situations uh, other than just pick a different lane and and hope things work out a little bit better. Uh, so it's frustrating to have a, a really fast car. And I know there was other guys uh, in our situation that, that felt like they didn't get the finish they deserved. I was happy for Jay Buford getting a top 10, first top 10 for him in the Xfinity Series um, on an oval. And uh, really cool. And, and it's proof of the depth of the field, which is something that we have talked about so much. Uh, as me as a competitor, obviously, you're jealous and you're mad and you're frustrated because you feel like that was where you should have finished. Um, but it's cool to see a lot of these guys uh, throughout the field get a chance to have good runs on a, on a great racetrack. I mean, Michigan's a great racetrack and put on great racing all weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jade Buford getting ninth, which is great for him. Like you mentioned, Matt Mills with an, a great run, 14th, and then Jordan Anderson in the 31, rounding out uh, the top 15, getting to drive his own race car. So uh, it was a great race. That ultimately, you know, that chaos started. Like like uh, we mentioned earlier, the the 10 car Jeb Burton when their team, you know, ran it out of gas, and it just felt really really pointless you know and i know the broadcast it was. Was about it yeah i just I and didn't his crew chief had said to mine they were pitted next to us and so we had communicated with them when we were going to pit obviously to just not have you know to be holding each other up on pit road right so we said we were going to pit and they said okay cool we're going to pit two laps after that cool and then my crew chief dan said they went six laps and ran it out of gas and it's like well thanks a lot that was real smart. I don't know what the point of that was. Uh, you weren't really a threat to win. So I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess I could aim some of my ire here at, at Jeb Burton and his crew chief. Uh, but look, everybody's out for themselves here, right? They're, they must have had something going on there, and it didn't work. Uh, and it cost them their race, right? I mean, that's just one, more, one less car that we had to beat. Um, if I am one second up the road further then we're probably sitting here talking about me having a top 10 rj because i would have stayed on the lead lap rather than being the second car a lap down i'd have been you know a thousand feet further up the road so it just a lot of this stuff comes down to 
the smallest margins. And uh, it clearly did for the tin car and it did not work out. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was it was interesting. I know the restarts were big and lots of chaos in the Xfinity restarts, but a lot of things people were wondering as well is about the inside lane, you know, uh, at Michigan, how it didn't necessarily work as well for the Xfinity series. And we saw it win the race, you know, for the cup series. And then the kind of thing I kind of get at that, I feel like it's kind of straightforward. You look at two different packages, you look at an Xfinity series car who is uh, not going to probably stick to the bottom as well um as a cup series car and it looked like if you got a nose out in the cup series car with the how arrow it was how much you were able to just kind of ride around the bottom in a cup series car you could probably take the lead which is what happened on the final restart with ryan blaney all it needed was a was a nose out front and the outside usually at michigan from these restarts especially late ones when people are going three wide on the inside the outside usually seems to get much more organized as far as pushing because there's really nowhere else for anybody to go on the outside lane they just push and, and go forward and that usually puts them out front and for the cup series it's kind of just an arrow game I and mean, we saw that it was about i think that final restart i think was five or six laps i believe in the cup series race which was a big aerodynamic game uh for sure ryan blaney got the win um the hendrick cars were the probably Dominant cars, I would say for sure. Uh, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott were the guys up front and Ryan Blaney ends up sneaking away with the win. So it was uh, a crazy sequence of events there, but we know how much difference, you know, Michigan's a big racetrack. It's always going to be high speeds, but it is crazy how different it felt like both of those races were Xfinity and Cup and especially how it was able to finish. Yeah, it was. And what we're talking about really is the difference in the package, right? More than anything else, this is just a difference in the package. So they are glued to the ground. A lot of drag, a lot of, you know, a lot of downforce, not a lot of power. So those cup cars, they are flat out around there the whole way. They're not even thinking about lifting. Whereas us, we're lifting a pretty good bit. Uh, so when you're on the inside and you have a lot less downforce and a lot more horsepower, and there's somebody to your outside uh, taking away some of that downforce, yeah, that inside car is going to be at a huge uh, disadvantage, huge disadvantage. And yeah. if you can get clear, you can kind of clear your way up and be fine. But there in the Cup Series, I mean, you saw those restarts really look a lot more like a super speedway restart. It's because it it really was for them. I mean, they both lanes were very easily wide open from the time they took the green uh, all the way through turn three. Whereas in our group, uh, you could maybe hold it wide open there on the top lane without anybody in front of you. Uh, but for the most part, you were going to have to work the throttle, especially if you were down there all the way on the bottom with somebody on your outside. And that's what led to some of those restarts getting really unorganized and messy. And I'm sure for fans, it was a very different view looking at both of those. And I think the Cup Series put on a pretty good race. But to your point here, RJ, it's just a very different looking race. And I had people telling me, that they showed the speedometer basically on the car and we were getting close to 200 miles an hour going off into you turn were. one oh, in yeah. the Xfinity series so that's moving along pretty quick uh you know we think about Michigan back in the day it was 212 215 in a cup car driving off into turn one there um so fast probably the fastest track that we went to and it looks like for the Xfinity series it, it was kind of back to that same kind of old style I think it was a really great track to show the differences 
in the way these cars race really from like a generation of cup yeah. ago compared to like what they're doing now in the cup series with the 550 package yeah it's it was so different for sure they had they did have a thing i think they they sent parker Kligerman to the fence turn one fence right where when you guys were racing and i think they showed the times too i mean it was crazy all were very fast i didn't see them do it for the cup race but for the xfinity series you guys were flying so yeah let me tell you when you drive in side by side with somebody at 200 miles an hour knowing that they could take the air off of you that it's is crazy a, to watch on tv it's a wild feeling <laughs> you see that car in the outside get closer closer and i'm like oh that guy on the inside is going to go around here shortly did you see when uh josh berry was leading and he was going to lap harrison burton and burton like kind of i don't even know if harrison burton moved down but barry was like close to mental in the corner burton's a lap car barry's the leader and josh barry almost wrecked like three times in that corner yeah it was I, I thought it was that happened right to there. me in lap traffic where kind of off pit road. I'm thinking I'm a lead lap car. I kind of come out in a wad of cars. The 15 car was in front of me. And this is no fault of his own. I just kind of caught him in the middle of the corner. Didn't completely clear him. Well, now, of course, we're going to kind of tighten up on the exit of a corner. And he's still there on my door. And I mean, honestly, I kind of thought he was going to let me have it. So I started moving up and he's still there. And I nearly lost it off turn two, and it cost me probably 10 car lengths. I had to get back to him. And this is me being way faster than him, right? Um, but still, it, it took me a minute to kind of recover. And uh, guys know this. Uh, you know, Harrison Burton doesn't want to get lapped. He knows this. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to make this, this easy might. for you. Yeah, you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. So um, this weekend. Well, we'll move on to this weekend, Daytona International Speedway. Uh, Wild card weekend. Very exciting, where I feel like last year was obviously the first year of having Daytona as the cutoff race for the Cup Series race. But this year, I feel like is is bigger than ever. I mean, we got cars back to 30th in points that could win the race. We have cars basically 17th on back, 18th on back in the standings that need a win. We have almost half the field is going to be in a must-win situation. You know, when you put that uh, those implications on at Daytona, uh, it is going to be very interesting for sure. So we're kind of just going to jump through these people here that we have uh, that are going to be in must-win situations. We'll, we'll cover kind of the, the points battle first, uh, which is only between teammates, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon. We saw Austin Dillon look like he was going to be in a great spot with how fast his car was at Michigan, ultimately slammed the wall at the end of a stage, almost flipped after a collision with Brad Kozlowski. So that went down the drain, not in a must-win situation because Reddick went and <laughs> really messed up his own race too and basically put Austin Dillon back in the points conversation, but he's still going to need a lot of spots over Reddick and I'm sure going for the win. So those are the two guys only able to fight on points. We know Hamlin, Harvick have locked themselves in on points, which is crazy. None of them have a win and we're getting ready to go to the playoffs. So we have a group but of they are in. Drivers. That's the key here, yes, right? So they, they are, are in. locked in. They don't have to worry about this. And that was their main goal is just get to this point where you don't have to worry about it going into a wild card. And the big difference is, is Denny Hamlin has playoff points. He would be eighth in the seedings right now, 15 playoff points. Kevin Harvick has two. He would be dead last. He would be the 16th seed, no matter what, really, because if Tyler Reddick gets in, he has more playoff points. If Austin Dillon gets in, I believe he has one more playoff point. And, and if anybody wins, they're going to have more playoff points than Harvick. So I think regardless, Kevin Harvick is going to be the last seed 
uh, in the Cup Series playoffs, which is crazy. I don't think anyone would have bet on that. And we talk about the guys that are in must-win situation. It is a group of 13 drivers who we know at Daytona, anybody has a shot. It's going to be crazy because there are going to be so many different approaches you know, to this race. There are going to be drivers on the screen who will go up and want to win the race in stage one. There are drivers that are going to kind of float around in the back and try to find themselves there at the end of the race. We're going to kind of just go through these drivers briefly. Yeah, and I want to talk about that real quick, RJ, because the people that are going to be going after stage points are the ones that are going to be putting themselves at risk here. And the people that absolutely have to go for stage points are the two RCR cars yep. <laughs> because they're racing each other to get in on points, right? So they're going to be up there in the mix and potentially putting themselves in danger early. Whereas the people that we're showing here on the screen and, and guys, we're sharing our screen here just so we kind of have a list of some of the out of the playoff, but can make it if they win. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, but that idea for me, if I'm going, well, we can't point our way into this. Well, then why do I need to worry about stage points? I'm not going to be up there. I'm going to be dropping to the back, baby. I'm going to be hanging out. <laughs> like if I'm just a winner in, then there's no way that I'm going to get up there in the mix until we get to about 20 to go. That is when I'm going to wind up trying to push the issue, but different strategies and all this, some guys really believe that you can't win unless you're up there the whole time. You're making it happen from the from from the first flag that's dropped because you got to put yourself in position with other fast cars and you got to get them to trust you over the course of the race. Some other guys take the Dale Jarrett approach, which is, look, this race doesn't even start until about 15 to go. So just until then, don't call me. Uh, so a lot of different strategies here, but what we know is that the RCR cars are going to have to put themselves up there in position for stage points twice. And we've seen time and time again, RJ, the big one doesn't just happen at the end of the race. It happens throughout the race. It can happen on lap 10. And it generally, with this aero package, is starting near the front of the field with a block. So the RCR cars are going to be sitting up there in danger from the very beginning. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous just talking about it. Those guys are going to go up there and they're going to, Man, and we know what happened in the Daytona 500 this year. They wrecked on lap 14, so I was, I was right there for it. So it's going to be crazy. So we're not necessarily going to go like picks as I have it labeled here. We'll take that off. Kind of just go through each driver and uh, just you know get an overview on their season and, and things like that and preview how much of a chance maybe they have to go out and, and win this race at Daytona. So I'll go first. Uh, I'll just start with the guy topping the points right now. And who's going to need this probably to prove himself, I feel like, desperately more of anybody on this list. And that's Matt Benedetto. Matt Benedetto has had a very solid recent races. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Uh, we talked about before with the, the pairing with himself and crew chief Jonathan Hassler has worked very well, tremendously. I mean, they have a great string of finishes in recent races and was up there at the end uh, in that big melee that we saw at the end of the cup race in Michigan. They were running top five, almost uh, running for the lead majority of the race. So Matt Benedetto, someone uh, that's led laps at Daytona before um, and has experience running up front. Could he be the one? Could his Ford teammates, you know, that are all you know, locked in the playoffs as in Penske teammates help him out potentially? Would we see something like that? 
but Matt Benedetto has ultimately had a very solid season, just didn't get started off the way he would have wanted to. And that kind of put them in a hole, but you know, anything's possible at Daytona. Yeah. And you have to ask that question, RJ, something you just alluded to, who do you think is going to shape the field the most? And I mean this from a manufacturer standpoint, because these manufacturers understand okay if we're trying to get our our guy into the playoffs here late we're gonna have to help them we're gonna have to help them in the draft so they might get some of the guys that are locked in in the chevy camp to try to help one of the guys in the chevy camp that's on the outside looking in especially as we get closer to the end of the race right i don't think those strategies are going to happen early they're going to happen late and i'm really interested in that dynamic and so when i'm looking at the rest of this list matt benedetto that's a great first pick here for a guy that needs it desperately because he literally doesn't have a ride next year as of right now i look at somebody that has consistently been fast on speedways and isn't afraid to make the move and has a speedway car that has shown a lot of speed and that's ricky stenhouse jr so over there at jtg they have done a great job with their speedway program obviously sitting on the pole of the daytona 500 uh you give Ricky Stenhouse a fast car, he's going to make something happen on these speedways. Yeah. What I would sit here on the box and do is say, okay, Ricky, we want you to have that kind of mentality with about 20 to go. Because Ricky is the star that, or the straw that stirs the drink the majority of the race. He is up there in the top five, top 10, making these moves. You don't want to take that out of him, but you're definitely in a points position, RJ, where that's not going to be rewarded, right? Like it is absolutely win or you're out. It doesn't matter if you win both the first two stages. That's not going to get it done for you. So why be up there in the mix doing it? But I look at Ricky as a guy, fast car, and has proven that he can win on this type of track. He can make those blocks. He can make those moves to do it. I look at him as a, as a dark horse for sure. Yeah, uh, dark horse that I think going in, Ricky Stenhouse, great pick. I mean, he has just been up there so many times, play races, won it before, won at Daytona, won this very race that we're having this weekend. So he's definitely going to be in the hunt. And you talk about manufacturers, uh, people that are going to be around supporting each other. We have four Jugoves racing cars that are locked in the playoffs. Don't have to worry. They're going to go hunt for stage points, playoff points, things like that. One car that we saw was very fast in speed weeks, and I think can only get better as we go to this race and is going to be aggressive. He wants to get in. You know the 2311 guys want to get in the playoffs. So I'll go with Bubba Wallace here, um, who has had you know, a solid season, a learning season, mostly for that team. And they feel like this is a race they can go out and win. I'm sure they felt like they could win the Daytona 500. It was probably too early for that, but we'll see how well these manufacturers work together. And I think if Joe Gibbs racing really goes in there with the, you know, the mentality, okay, we're going to go and try and help this 23 car again, we, we want to get it in the playoffs. I think Bubba Wallace for sure, who almost won this race a year ago, made like a three, four wide move to the outside to the lead. And then the whole field wrecked. And that was unfortunate, but Bubba Wallace is definitely someone to watch going into this weekend. Yeah. And now the guy that I've got to pick when we start talking again about manufacturer camps, it's probably Ross Chastain and a guy who is now locked into that track house deal for next year. And they have shown speed and Ross has been up there near the front of the field. He has built up that credibility with some of the guys that he's going to be racing around. 
Now, are they willing to help him? I mean, Ross doesn't exactly have the friendliest attitude toward a lot of guys that he's racing, right? But they at least know that that car has been up there near the front. And a lot of these races lately, they have really started picking things up. Uh, and I got to look at him as a guy that's definitely going to be up there in the mix. But again, this is something I'm going to keep saying here, RJ. What is the point of being up there at the beginning of this race? Exactly. Who is going to be left at the end of this race? If I'm Ross Chastain, really aggressive driver, a guy that makes the moves, makes the aggressive moves. I've raced against him in the Xfinity series on these plate races. Definitely an aggressor. Definitely somebody that is willing to block and change lanes and make the moves. Okay, well, that's what it takes. Have you put yourself up there in the position time and time again that you're willing to throw the block, make the pass, be aggressive with the side drafts? Ross has done that in the Xfinity series, and he's done it at the cup level now, too. He's a guy that can win the race. It's just, does he have all four of the fenders on it there at the end? Exactly. Um, and we talk about, yeah, you mentioned having all four fenders on at the end. And a guy that now that we kind of bring this up that I feel like is always there at the end, is always at the beginning of these races, running around the back, not doing anything special until when it's time to do something. That's Ryan Newman, uh, which would obviously be a huge win if he was to get it done uh, this weekend at Daytona. A guy that is always seems to be around at the end, Ryan Newman. I mean, the re the only wreck that he's gotten caught up in, you know, early in a race was recently uh, on lap 14, which no one really uh, expected, anticipated, and it happened. But Ryan Newman's a guy always there at the end. And when we're talking about this weekend for people that might be the aggressor, RCR cars going to get stage points, people maybe that feel like they need to be up front all race to have a chance to win. Uh, I think Ryan Newman is definitely going to take the approach. I'm going to go back here and, and chill out, going to go hang with uh, BJ McLeod and <laughs> all these guys. It kind of waits <laughs> until the end of the race. That alligator car, by the way, BJ McLeod uh, running this weekend. You won't miss it on the track, but uh, Ryan Newman would be kind of my, you know, I've went with two aggressors as my first uh, two picks. I think we all have. We went with like four aggressors. I'm going to go with a guy that's probably just going to be chilling out. And that'll be Ryan Newman. Now, I'm going to pick the next one. Is somebody that's won this race and that's eric jones now he won it for a different manufacturer my only question here with this pick is does he have the horses right yeah we know what the petty 43 is dealing with we understand that's a smaller team in the garage area now i would say that eric jones has done all he could do this year with that 43 car and let me prove my point if i asked you right now a casual fan who is having a better season eric jones or Daniel Suarez, what would you probably say? Probably say Daniel Suarez. Yeah, because they have definitely captured a lot of the media attention and at times tremendous over-the-top top five runs yeah. at multiple racetracks. But the consistency here lays with the 43 car. Eric Jones is actually higher in the standings than yeah. Trackhouse. So this is a guy that is a veteran, knows how to get it done at a speedway, and understands He's not going to win this thing early, and probably nobody's going to work with him early. But if he's got a car sitting there late that still has all four fenders intact, it might be better than some of the cars left around him, right? That might be the equalizer for him. I, I see him lurking in this and being a player there at the end. Yeah, one guy that'll lurk for sure, I think, is Ryan Priest, uh, who's statistically very good uh, as far as finishes on these type of racetracks. He's always seems to be there at the end. 
always racing for a top 10, top five, sometimes a win as well. And what kind of story would it be for a non-chartered car to walk it off, you know, in the, in the final race of the season for all the things we've talked about Ryan Priest this year, winning the truck race, we feel like he deserves a bigger opportunity to go out there to win the final race of the play to lock yourself in as a non-chartered team would be, I mean, historic, obviously, but Ryan Priest is someone, and we talk about JTG, who's great on the, on the super speedways. You know, why not Ryan Priest, the guy who's to Statistically, he's one of the best average finishers at Daytona and Talladega. Yeah, and, and I look at Chase Briscoe as a guy that felt like he was on the doorstep in his hometown, basically, or his home track at Indianapolis uh, just a, you know two weeks ago now, and looks at Daytona like, this is it. This is the last chance, and tied in so tightly with a manufacturer there at Ford that you know is going to be working to get one of those other Ford cars into the playoffs. And Chase is a guy that can get it done. Still a rookie, right? We look at Chase Briscoe, at least I do, as a guy that I've raced against him now for a few years. I trust him so completely with any move that he's going to make. Some of these cup veterans, they don't look at it the same way, right? It's just going to be who's willing to work with you at the end of the race. Does Chase feel like he needs to kind of go early to establish some of that credibility in the draft to get some of those guys to work with him? I think that's got to play a factor. But I see Chase Briscoe as a pick purely if the Fords line up and work together exclusively. If that is the goal, is to get the Fords in a row, then yeah, Chase Briscoe is clearly one of the people that they are going to be actively trying to help. They're going to be trying to get one of those other Fords into the playoffs. We know all the Penske cars are in, so it's just going to come down to them trying to help a guy like Matt Benedetto, a guy like Chase Briscoe, you know, a guy like a guy that's still left on this list right now, Cole Custer, who's in that Ford camp in a top-level car that they feel like can make something happen in the playoffs, right? We talk about Ford wanting to win. I love my guy, BJ McLeod. That's not the guy they're trying to get in. <laughs> not like BJ could be anyway, as not a full-time driver, but they're trying to get somebody in that is a full-time top-level Ford team that they feel like could pull an upset in a few rounds. Now you're looking at Chase Briscoe, you're looking at Matt Benedetto, you're looking at Colt Custer. Yeah. Uh, and I think of Kevin Harvick as well as, yeah, he's locked in the playoffs, but I think he's going to be going after playoff points. Uh, at least I would for sure. Stage wins, uh, stuff like that is going to be very important going to the playoffs. So with my next pick, we mentioned earlier, Daniel Suarez, track house. I think track house definitely as a team has the mentality that they want to go into this race and win. Uh, they've had, it seems like either, like when you talked about Eric Jones, very consistent around the same level, majority of the season, Daniel Suarez is, you know, he's been in the top 10 and he's also had some DNFs, some mechanical issues at road courses that probably hurt them in the point standings. But I ultimately think this team's going to go out here and, and did fairly well at speed weeks. Uh, the first few races showed some speed. Uh, I think that track house is going to go out with the big mentality that they want to win this race for sure. You're asking me now to pick between a few guys here and it's really the show versus the go a little bit here. I feel like Cole Custer gets talked about a lot more than Chris Busher does, but if I'm going to stick in that Ford camp, well, I got to go Chris Busher here because this is a guy that is Mr. Consistency over the long haul here. And he's a guy with no ego. I'm not acting like Cole Custer has one either, but I just know Chris Busher is going to take that Ryan Newman mentality of, look, we, we can't win this thing here in the beginning of it. We're going to hang out. We're going to bide our time. We're going to try to be there at the end. He's just going to take a real veteran mentality to the table. 
Chris Buescher can win this race, without a doubt. The craziest part about this is everybody can win this stinking race. Everybody that we've said yeah. can win. Like Cole Custer's still on the board. Corey LaJoy still on the board. Anthony Alfredo still on the board. All of them can win the race. They all have fast enough cars to win this race. It's just a matter of what is probably going to be a restart with under five laps to go and who gets a push and who doesn't and who's still left in the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a big thing. And one guy that's coming back and uh, this weekend, Corey LaJoy making his return, got his playoff uh, waiver. Uh, so he's still eligible to get the win and in who's statistically been very good at Daytona, uh, very great finishes over the years uh, for go fast and for Spire this year. Uh, what a we call that run in the program, RJ. Yeah. So I use David Pepper, which was Corey LaJoy's spotter for a long time over there at go fast. And they call that running the program at Daytona and Talladega. They're just going to stick to the, stick to the program, which the program is this race doesn't start until about 15 laps to go. And we are just going to completely take our egos out of it. And we're just going to hang out in the back because they're going to wreck at least half the field by the time we get there. And for a smaller team, like a go fast, who very rarely has a chance to compete for top 20s, those are huge points days for them. We're talking about 20 plus points in a finish. I mean, that, that could be more points than they score in three or four weeks at a time when you're running from 28th to 32nd on average, right? And that's not saying anything about the talent level. That's just where you're running in the field and the way the point system works. So they looked at that like an opportunity to get guaranteed points each and every time. Corey LaJoy, very comfortable taking this road where he understands almost like, like a racehorse. I know when it's time to really make a push down the home stretch here, and he already has that in his mind going into this. They're not going to be up there in the mix. They're going to be hanging out, trying to take care of the car and put themselves in position late. Cole Custer is a guy that I see up there in the Ford train as a part of that, and potentially Anthony Alfredo as well. Could they just get lined up on the top and bide their time to the end? It's just really interesting how this race is going to play out. I think the guys that are locked into the playoffs are going to be up there throwing haymakers at each other. I think guys like the RCR cars that need to put the, the points, they're going to be up there throwing haymakers. But in, weirdly, the guys that need to win the most are going to be sitting there probably hanging out, hoping that some of those contenders, those other great cars that are already locked into the playoffs, kind of thins the herd a bit. And now it becomes a game of who's left with 25 laps to go, when do you start to push? When do you try to get yourself into that window after the final pit stop? When is the right time to go for it? And when do you need to hold back? I think if I had to guess this here, RJ, it's probably going to come down to a green-white checkered with how many people are in the mix and feel like they have a shot at this. And it's probably way more potential to turn into the you know three or four restart uh, truck race that we see at some of these speedways than what is normally a a cup race. It, it definitely has potential to go off the rails. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's going to be entertaining. But you just know that the intensity is going to be ratcheted up to 12 by the time we get down to 10 laps to go. And it's just so hard to keep from wrecking each other when you're throwing these huge blocks, huge passes, big runs, big pushes, this package just kind of leads to a lot of carnage. And, and really, 
Daytona and Talladega lead to a lot of carnage, RJ, right? I can't blame it on the package. We've been wrecking cars here for a long time. That's that's the tradition, exactly. So I, I know last year was, I mean, we I feel like the stakes this year. Yeah, the stakes this year were a hundred times, uh, you know, more than last year, and we were three by three last year coming to the final lap. So it, right. it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm nervous. I mean, I'm going to be there this weekend at Daytona. Going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait for the races. The Xfinity Series, it's almost the same thing. Wild card. I mean, you're going into the race. Uh, you guys were right up there in that AAN adjusters race car uh, in the final laps, and we talk about a guy like Brett Moffitt could get a win. I mean, it's just it's wild card, like you said. Anything. It can happen. And it just comes down to your strategy, right? Whereas I can tell you that Barnes Motorsports will be running the program uh, in this thing because we know that stage points, that's not going to be what does it for us. The only way that we get in the playoffs is winning the race. The only way that we win the race is being in the race there at the end of it and putting yourself in position late uh, for what is going to wind up being a late race shootout. There's other guys that are looking at this the same way that I'm looking at it. Look at a guy like Brandon Brown. You look at a guy like Alex LeBay. You look at a guy like Brett Moffitt, who has at times had top 10 speed this year. It feels like he could be a factor in the playoffs. He could just win a race and get himself in there. Uh, the Xfinity race is definitely going to have its share of ups and downs, but you got to look at some of those guys that aren't guaranteed in right now that are maybe on that bubble, maybe like a Riley Herbst, who's in, but he's probably a little nervous about it. Yeah. Are they going to push the action to try to get some points and maybe kind of extend that gap? Or are they going to hang back and try to be a factor late for the win and end strategy? We know those guys up there in the front, guys like our guy or the guys uh, that are already locked into the playoffs, Cendric, uh, Almondinger. Of course, they're going to be up there trying to lead every lap and win the race. Yeah, But that leads to a lot of carnage when you got a lot of guys up there thinking that uh and is brett moffitt going to be one of those guys that's up there trying to stir the drink because the other part of this is brett moffitt is currently 21st in points you have to be in the top 20 in points in order to be playoff eligible so now what we know is if brett was to win he would probably point his way in over the next couple of weeks so i'm not necessarily saying that they're looking at it that way but are they taking an aggressive strategy to get all the points they can get or are they going to try to drop back and do the win and end move? Uh, it's interesting uh, how these are going to play out. There is going to be a lot of strategy involved with this. And I would tell all the fans to try to pay attention to that. Don't worry if your guy is running 35th for 75, 80% of this race. Go get some popcorn, leave the TV on. We need the ratings. But just know that the action here is going to pick up in the final quarter of this race like it very often does at these speedways. But I know that there is going to be a lot of aggression near the front. It's still going to be entertaining near the front, but those guys have nothing to lose. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the field that have really only one way to get into the playoffs, only one path to success here. And so when you throw the dart, it's got to be at the right time. You only get one shot at it. And there's a lot of us that are kind of in that same bucket. I'm looking at it the same way. I know Jeremy Clements, I know Ryan Sieg, I know some of those guys that are right there on that line are probably taking the same approach that we're taking, which is, can I only got one shot to get in there. When do I take my shot? Yeah, it's it's going to be incredible. Remember, and it's coming up Friday night, Xfinity Series race, Saturday night, Cup Series race. 
man, the intensity is going to pick up in both of the series. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to be there at Daytona International Speedway. Um, and there it is. It's wild card. It's wild card time. Playoff time for the Cup Series. Been waiting for this. This is definitely one of the craziest playoff field, craziest seasons we have seen in a while and the regular season is going to come to an end this weekend for the cup series and what a perfect place to end the regular perfect season daytona i wish that it was the same way in xfinity i get the schedules don't line up uh not taken away from the ending of the show here that's something that i've always wished for is that all the playoffs began after daytona because i felt like what a great place to end the regular season for all three series uh, you know, the trucks always put on such a great show down there, too. I don't think any of them would be complaining about another super speedway race. They love that stuff. They always have a big turnout, big car count. Uh, and we're excited about going down there to Daytona as well. We think we got a really fast car and a and a shot to to pull the upset a little bit here, RJ. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna buy it our time, but we are gonna probably take a shot at it once we get down to the end of that race. Because why wouldn't we? I yeah. mean, if you're ever if you're ever gonna if you're ever gonna have something break your way, why not try to have it happen at Daytona? Exactly. Why not? It, it can make it can make seasons. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Can't wait. Exciting racing. And I'm sure we will have a lot to talk about next week uh, after this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. So thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to Bet Online and Balance 7 for sponsoring uh, this episode and sponsoring the podcast. We'll see you all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.